Welcome to Side to the Tracks. We are a podcast about loving music, about loving records. We stand this album. I am Barb Abney. I am a DJ and voice actor in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm Augustus Watkins. I'm a musician and an indie record label owner in Los Angeles, currently experiencing some technical difficulties. So listeners, bear with me this week. Welcome, Josh Stifter. Hey, Josh. Hey, how's it going? Good. You're in broadcaster. You're in content. Yeah. So I'm a filmmaker. I've made a couple of movies and I've worked on television, worked for like local news in Minnesota. I've worked for Christian media. I've worked for Kevin Smith. I've worked with Robert Rodriguez. I've kind of been all over the place. So I've Mm. literally went from a one week working on a Christian media show to doing a contract with a national news program to being on the set of essentially like a soft core porn sci-fi erotica thing all in the same day children's christian media news softcore porn so i'm like all over the place that was the same three days <laughs> if that would have been when i was like age 17 i might have watched all those all yeah, those yeah. in the same day as well <laughs> exactly exactly and that's <laughs> I, I try to make my career sort of that thing where i can jump around to everything and feel like a 17 year old who mm-hmm. is bouncing between all the stuff. Do you want to introduce the record for us? Yeah, the record is the classic thrash metal album by Slayer, Rain in Blood. Yes, it is. Now, he gave me many choices, I think. He said he could go any direction. And Augustus and I have been saying for weeks, you know, hey, we need to do a metal record. Why, mm-hmm. why don't we have one of our friends on that will do a metal record? And I'm like, hey, you know what? I bet my friend Josh would. Yeah. And thank you so much. So how when did this come out? 86, the year after I was born. I was born in 85 and this dropped in 86. And it was an album for me that wasn't on my radar in the metal scene, because like in the mid 90s, when, you know, my dad was listening to rock music and the radio rock was, you know, big thing. Slayer didn't really hit that mainstream. It was like Metallica mm-hmm. blew up Metallica was everywhere. Megadeth was right below them, sort of on that cusp. But like Rain and Blood was just a little Slayer in general was just a little too heavy for the radio, for normal, normal people. So it kind of went (laughs) over my head as a kid. And then uh, I started getting into heavier and heavier metal as heavier metal became a little bit more mainstream, you know, with like the slipknots and whatnot of my high school days. Mm -hmm. And I went from there when I started to see these shows, I got into like really hardcore stuff like uh, agoraphobic nosebleed, like crazy hardcore Mm -hmm. grind. Um, And the Minneapolis scene had a great grind scene from the 90s. And I sort of got into that a little bit later in life. And then I, you know, I'd hang out with metal guys and they threw at me like, how have you not been obsessed with rain and blood? Like it's a rite of passage to be obsessed with rain and blood. Right. And I remember having that moment where I'm like, you know what? I'm going back and I'm going to put on some Slayer and I'm going to see what I think. And just being like, oh my God, this is so ahead of its time. Like this blows Metallica and Megan oh, totally. and everyone else out of the water. I'm kind of a Metallica stan. I like, mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'll go in for Metallica more than I think a lot of people do. You know, obviously Metallica has kind of alienated a lot of their fans. And I think Slayer has alienated a lot of their fans in the same way, in right. their own way. But I kept listening to this going like, this is very clearly the band that Metallica wishes they could be. Exactly. Yes. 
it's so angry, but in the best way possible. And also without sacrificing production, without Hmm. sacrificing lyrics, vocals, every piece of the like instrumentation is understandable. You can hear it. Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, which is very Metallica, it's very close to that in production. I mean, it's a Rick Rubin album, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So it has that vibe. But if you were to muddy this up, it teeters on that like extreme thrash. There are moments where I'm just like, this is one of the heaviest moments in metal history. Uh, I know. And the thing is, is that this record, according to some internet research, which I didn't verify, the average BPM on this record is 220 beats per minute. Yeah. I, yeah. I do not not believe that. <laughs> that I'm, I've become, and with doing this ep- episode, I went and listened to the album probably 15 times in the past two days, which you can do because it's, yeah. 28 minutes long. It's mm-hmm. so quick. And so to the point, this album just, it just kicks ass. It's just a great, you know, fast, heavy. It's what Metallica wanted to be. It's totally. what uh, every grind band that I listen to, everyone that, you know, started different genres. This is what they listened to first and went, oh, I want to make music. Yeah. Yeah. I want to make really fast, weird, extreme music about like find some unmined corner of death and write a song about it really fast. Barb, I, I want to ask, I want to put too fine a point on it, but Josh and I are the same age. Uh-huh. What's what's your recollection of this record yeah, in, yeah. in 86? I think that the boys who went from wearing the ACDC shirts, black t-shirts with ACDC on them, mm-hmm. immediately went to wearing their Slayer shirt. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I had a lot of different groups of people I partied with. My stoner and my rocking friends partied together. So this would be at their parties. Mm -hmm. But my rocking friends also like was with the the jock friends. So this would be at their parties. Uh, Slayer did not make it over to like the mainstream party houses. Um, (laughs) It it just was too much. You know, I graduated in 1987, the year after it came out. So I was aware of it. I have never on my own sat down and listened to the album beginning to end i don't own the album um i don't know any of the words to any of the songs although like i know how important rain and blood is it was always just a little too fast (laughs) like i was definitely of the like motley crew metal Mm -hmm. at that time you know i was really into too fast for love um i had been into sabbath for a long time and i'd been into ozzy um i was you know white snake to here, you know, uh-huh. and poison. <laughs> so, and I love my ACDC. So Slayer was a little more of that stuff, which, you know, just too fast and too dark. And I didn't come around to Metallica really until the black album, which everybody fucking hates, but whatever. I love the black album. I'll um, do a black album episode with you any day. Babs. I love I'm the black down. Album. It's no rain and blood, but it's pretty. It is no rain and blood. <laughs> Let's get back to the subject. No, but I think I think Um, that's a good point, because at that time, uh, you know, there was this like shift in metal in the mid 80s and into the 90s where people were trying to figure out where their metal was, where, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you had the the big four and like each one of them kind of went their own way with metal, with Metallica going much more like playing into classical vibes Mm -hmm. and Megadeth doing a much more like attempting to be technical and really hit like music fans in a way. 
Mm. Whereas Slayer just went like, we're going to go all in on metal at this point in that 80s era. And literally they did concerts where they like rained blood down on stage and they just went like, we're going to be a show of metal. And I think that's the first time that that sort of was really like Ozzy obviously was before that doing and, and Sabbath putting on kind of crazy shows. But Slayer came on and was just like, we're going to own this persona of uh, the metalheads. I think it, they had to. They had to. You can't play that kind of music and not own it. So let's dispel one kind of myth. I just like, this is my soapbox. Life is uncertain. I want to say this. Uh, metal is metal. Metal is not death metal. Yeah. Uh, metal is metal. I hear people use death metal and metal interchangeably. And so I'm just going to hop on my soapbox and I want all the moms out there to hear that. Slayer is not death metal. Uh, Slayer is speed metal, thrash metal. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is death metal the Norwegian stuff where the band members kill each other? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably sometimes that's probably black metal uh, and all heavy metal is theatrical. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. It, when a rapper is out there talking about living the, the fast life in, in their raps, that's like a lot of that is, uh, is, is performance. It's this aspirational or it's right. sort of genre trappings. And I just think for the, for people who maybe like heavy metal isn't their home, who might be listening to our podcast, like let's just kind of get this out of the way, especially when we get into angel of death. Um, heavy metal is not uh, like an endorsement of, of evil, right? It's right. not, it's kind of just about, it's kind of getting things out of you so that you can it's it's like scream therapy. Yeah. It's and totally cathartic. When I listen to this kind of album, it, does something good to my soul where it just like mm -hmm. gets that antsiness inside of me out, even if I'm not doing it. Plus it's entertaining. Like there's just something entertaining about hearing someone play the drums that fast or hearing <laughs> mm -hmm. someone just yes. like th that production is so good. Cause you could just mm. hear every hit, like every mm -hmm. time he hits, you feel it like a, it, I compare it to a locomotive. Like that's the only thing I can that's compare good. this kind of music to is like listening to a train and that rhythm of a train. And some people can't fall asleep with the train going by and some people do for some people this is going to make them feel right and putting it on just hits and some people it's not but the, I, th that's an amazing point that you made about the theatrics because this album did get some like criticism because it talks about religion it talks about um nazism like there's a lot of stuff in this album that's deep awful stuff that uh they you know they kind of play almost satirical in some ways totally. and metal does that metal is spoofy metal is it, i mean it can be not all is because some can be very heartfelt and very important but a lot of the stuff i tend to gravitate towards is rain in blood is a hilarious joke in its own way the name in itself <laughs> rain in blood is so stupid in the best way possible <laughs> one more thing if we can to throw this in uh, about metal this kind of metal this is the best kind of metal to drive to. Oh. If, like, if you are trying not a not to fall asleep, right? It's getting it's 3 a.m. and you've been driving for a couple of hours, but you've got four more hours until you're there. This is the one you put in. You put this on and you listen to it 12 times before you get there. <laughs> That's true. Totally. totally. You have plenty of time, but it will certainly wake you up. Shall we dive in? Yeah. yeah. This is an absolutely classic banger, Angel of oh. Death.
I believe it's the longest song on the album. Totally. Too, and totally. has like it does some like flows. It it has like that. It has those moments that just kind of like slow down just enough to make you go, oh, are we going to get some variety uh, in this album? I sat here the other night going, God damn it. I know this. What uses this? What uses this? And I had to pull it up and it's actually listed on that single KMFDM godlike the dog like mix um, or it might be the regular mix too but the dog like mix is the better of the two and it's just that lick but it's a it's sped up if you can imagine even faster yeah, um, for <laughs> KMFDM, they make it a darker. If you can imagine, it's even it's it. I guess it's in the listen to the two side by side and make your own comparison for what's darker. But this is the original version we'll talk about now is the one that got be clear. A, like a lot of this album, of as dark as it is, I find this album to be extremely fun. Totally. Like there's something oh, yeah. in the production yeah. that's purely like it feels just enjoyable as the lyrics are all brutal. The riffs are all like minor and just <sighs> aggressive, but you're still like having fun the whole time. I kept thinking to myself, I also kind of came up in the Minneapolis heavy metal scene and I just kept thinking to myself how much fun I've had just getting the shit kicked out of me in pits, in basements and nasty clubs uh, to music like this. It just, it's so fun. Yeah. And I think this was hearing this, you know, like grind is all about speed. So yeah. I've listened to a ton of stuff that was all about speed and never really understood the concept of like speed metal where mm. it, you know, you're playing everything really fast because a lot of grind is just like essentially a bar chord played as fast as you can and blast yeah. beats as fast as you can. And listening to this over the past few days, especially Angel of Death, because it just starts into it and gets you going. Mm. I'm like, OK, this is speed metal to me. Like, this is what it, it's so fast, but it's also understandable. Every note mm -hmm. you can hear every note, which takes way more ability and way more like it just there's, there's something speed about it versus just fast. Yes. Like just right. grind, like just grinding. At yeah. It. Right, right, right. There's a precision at work that oh, not every band can do. It almost makes me like angry. Because <laughs> <laughs> I listen to it, I'm just like, how? How are, can someone play that fast? I can't fake moving my fingers that fast. Mm. And it's just like, it's faster <laughs> than you can air metal. Like, <laughs> And it's really funny because the vocalist, Tom Araya, he's really challenged to keep up as a singer. Yes. English, English language doesn't really lend itself to being very fast it's kind of a clunky language in your mouth and he's doing not so much in this song but some as we get further on the record like he's working really hard to get things out at the speed <laughs> yeah. that this band is playing that's perfect because that's the kind of music i like when a vocalist is always just like half a note behind <laughs> this song is the one that really got noticed and put them in a camp where people are saying you know hey, these guys are Nazis or Nazi sympathizers yes, right, or right, right. something. So they had, you know, people from three different countries in their band. And they're like, including a couple it? who are Hispanic. Yeah, it's like, which 
could be the vocalist. They could sing a lot faster, right? They have yeah. a much faster language. <laughs> I know. Much faster language. Well, that's why Spanish metal is insane. Or Mexican metal <laughs> yeah. is insane. That is no, true. That is so much of the true. grind I listen to is, is Mexican because Mexican singers can keep up and they, it's sounds amazing. Oh, crazy. But this was a big deal back then. Like people were yeah. like, wait, you're racist and you're Nazis. It's like, listen, you know what? My dad had some stuff when I was a kid that he showed me and it got me interested in this stuff. And having an interest in this it does not make me a Nazi because I am saying that Mengele did this. I am not saying that I support Mengele doing this, all this. So they had a tough time of it. But then, you know, they sold so many records yeah oh so many records and they're like you know what i think it's okay it's the year of our lord 2021 i think you're free to make your own choices on where you think slayer is coming from is some of it a little gauche yeah Yeah. and especially when you look at it you know a lot of years have passed and and standards (laughs) have changed and like i don't blame anybody if they're like this is not for me like the things Right. But, uh, if you're wanting, if you don't know what the controversy, you know, at home, Google it, look at it. I don't think we need to dig into it too much. Slayer okay. fucking rules. End of story. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. And I think it was. I think Carrie King once said a point that I kind of hit hard with me. I don't remember where it was that I read it, but he said, "Like you could take it as whatever you want. That's your prerogative." But he said we kind of did it as almost like a documentary. Like some of the concept, yes, they are about this, but. We're not like preaching it. We're not talking about it as a good thing. Like we're putting it in the in the music as like a do- like a documentary would do it. We're talking about this horrible thing. And, and there's a lot of that in this. I mean, we'll get into I mean, Jesus saves altar sacrifice. Oh, it's like there's God. a lot of concepts in this album that yeah. hit on some crazy stuff beyond just the angel of death, like call it calling them out as Nazis. It's gauche to say this, too, that it was of a different time. Yeah. Now you probably wouldn't put out an album about something terrible. You just wouldn't want to put someone in that discomfort zone. However, I don't think this is ever done as like a punching down mean spirited thing. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Look, I've been in some crazy pits and like <laughs> nobody mosh pits, nobody ever punches down. Like I've never been in a show. I've never been in one of those shows. Like I, I hear the legends of like crazy violent shows where people do crazy, but like, if you fall, the pit stops and everyone yep. makes yeah. sure that you get on your yep. feet. If you're too tired and you, you get hurt, like people will people will part the Red Seas and momentum will stop and they will get you out of there. The pit is ironically probably the safest place you can be in a heavy metal concert because everyone's looking out for each other. That's to say that the scene is full of like some of the sweetest, most caring people I have ever met in my life. Is I love that. It's so true. Very that is much. so true. I mean, Barb knows I am a little guy and I'm a a metalhead who's a little guy. So being at like metal shows, I've had people come over and be like, yeah, come on, get in the pit with us. And it's still fun. No, there's guys who weigh three times what I weigh who could literally stomp me to death in that (laughs) moment. And they never do. It's always fun. And like yeah, the metal scene is generally amazing. Yeah. And this Mm -hmm. record is just absolutely seminal to it. So I think that should kind of be instructive about a lot of what this is. Can we just say that there are so many sick riffs in across this entire record, but since we're talking about angel of death, wow. Yeah. That it's just riff after riff. Like Mm -hmm. the whole song is just a moment of amazing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Dual guitar solos. 
uh, just the drums are punishing, just a masterwork. Absolutely. Nothing shy. I'm pumped and ready to move because. Yeah, you are. Because this, <laughs> this is a fast moving album. We got a 29 minute record. <laughs> Can we do a 29 minute album? <laughs> we're getting, this episode will be longer than this record. So. Probably, probably. <laughs> so you have time um, to like get the record in real quick and then come back and listen to us and whatever um, you're doing in your day. A vast sadistic feast. <sighs> when we're moving on to piece by piece. don't know any of these lyrics boys don't know any of them Had you look, to them, look up? them all up yes you know <laughs> yeah. like i didn't know but i'm like oh vast sadistic feast keeping that keeping that gonna put it onto some little thanksgiving sign and give it to my <laughs> brother and sister my sister and brother-in-law and see if he catches it mm. you know like some thanksgiving wreath or something and see if he catches it <laughs> i'm gonna do it you wait just to let him know you care <laughs> just to, just to see if he catches it because i they were on vacation when i was listening to this album for like the third time and i i messaged him and i said i was just in the car like just screaming down the street listening to this album as loud as i could mm-hmm. and you're one of the only people that I know that I could, you know, just message and you would be really excited about that. And he's like, B, I'm very excited about that. Yeah. He's like, I can hear it just closing my eyes and I got goosebumps. That's amazing. I, uh, <laughs> this, this song was, this is the one on this album. Well, the maybe the second most important as far as lyrics <laughs> went, because when I, like I said, I got into this album way later in life, like way later than I should have. Um, as far as like being into metal as a kid, listening to all of the other like Megadeth, Metallica and whatever with my dad when I was, you know, six. I was a huge Aussie fan through grade school and into high school. I just never picked up Slayer. And then it was like right around the time I was, you know, getting into college, trying to decide what I want to do with my life and getting into like harder music and going to shows because, you know, I had no no wife, nothing really, no high school anymore figuring out what I was going to do next. I'm going to go to metal shows. And I was really getting into this concept of, and I went to a private high school, a Christian private high school, like a boarding Uh school. Yeah. So, and I was getting sort of to this point where I'm like, okay, I have to make some serious life choices that I'm not going to allow my parents to make the choice Mm -hmm. anymore. Now I get to decide who I am and what I do. And I remember the lyrics to this song being like, oh man, like this is brutal calls out, god it's all about death like there's a lyric that is like confront the god you seek yeah like, i was like okay this is beautiful like entertaining mocking the thing that has like based my whole life has been based on and it's like a horror movie this song is <laughs> totally. a horror movie yeah. and made wow. me go i can do that i can go make horror movies i'm i oh, want to wow. make horror movies and i want to i can like get into this and I don't have to go to be a pastor or I don't have to go do what other people tell me. And that's sort of the, it's weird to be like, you know, 19 and finally going like, Whoa, I'm going to rebel because Slayer song. But this song was like a big part of that where I'm like, this is cool. I like things like, 
you know, what is it? Bones and blood lie on the ground. I'm like, yes, bones and blood lie on the ground. Let's do that. <laughs> That's like, I love this story because Josh, it's like, uh, it's really beautiful and it's really inspirational. Like, do you like, you know, the sort of like coming of age and like finding a piece of art that inspires you to find your way in life. And I just, I'm also just sort of imagining the, the focus on the family version of this story where it was like a promising young man, you know, who was walking in his faith and was secure in his family and <laughs> the life that I, you know, and yeah, totally. And like he heard one, one slayer, slayer song <laughs> and Satan took over his life and it's never been the same, you know, yes. just like, God. You know, and now he laughs about gore. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're playing that at the school I went to and they're like cutting to a picture of me, like covered in fake blood from a movie set. And it's like slowly panning or, or zooming in on my face as it turns to like red. As the smile on your face, they can see gets bigger and bigger. The TV shuts off and uh, Prof Sullivan walks up and he's like, that's why we don't allow Slayer on this campus. <laughs> it's funny because like thinking about a Sunday, like we're recording this on a Sunday, yeah. a Sunday of me as a kid was like this insane dichotomy of like, Going from uh, to like uh, running after the rails on a crazy train, like yeah. it's just two completely different things. And obviously, one of them hit me harder than the other. It's, yeah, it's this song piece by piece mm. was one that really like hit me because a lot of the grind and metal I was listening to was very satirical and and silly. Yeah, you know, and mean. A lot of it's like that's like mean-spirited grindcore like it's all awful and especially in the 90s but this was like horror like it felt like it meant something and it was still important without being completely tongue-in-cheek but just tongue-in-cheek and smart enough like you read the lyrics and you're like oh this is like horror poetry totally they're basically gory tone poems yep and well written did you oh, say yeah. gory tongue poems tone poems tone I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> wait, a tongue poem? Tongue I... Again, because Josh, you said it like this is a smart band. And I think one of the really fun and smart things that happens in this is the way at the end of the song, um, he repeats the verse one, but at double time. The last verse is the first verse, but done in double time. I mean, it's like, it's like, who does that? That's like so weird and bizarre and creative. And I, I still don't think you do that without a certain amount of consideration for what you're doing. Or you're operating on instinct that's like really kind of powerful instinct to do something like yeah. that. I think a lot of it's thought out. And I, one of the things I've started doing recently, I'm, a, I'm one of those hipster late adopters to records, to vinyl. And I've learned like listening to albums, like actual albums, and seeing like you get more of a respect for how tracks are laid out mm. and working our way into the third track, Necrophobic, which is like a what is it, like a minute 30 or something? It's like a really fast song. The album, the first side A, essentially, goes from like a long song and then like three songs in, you're getting the quickest one and then kind of builds back up at the end. 
I feel like that was extremely intentional for their side A. It, it's well, none of it's that different. It does have this like it, it's the opposite. It like pops up and then dives down just enough. Yeah, I think you absolutely have to call out the brilliance and the sequencing in this. This record, I feel like could could have fallen apart for any number of reasons. But I think one of the things that could have fallen apart is if they had sequenced it differently. Uh, we, we talk about that a little bit on this, like the best records are sequenced with real thought and intention. Yeah. Um, including the including rain and blood. And you really feel it when you're listening to it and you have to get up and flip it over and actually like kind of pay attention to how it's being sequenced and you can't just skip to your favorite song mm. easily. And so that's <laughs> right. why I like listening to it on a vinyl. It, the best ones, I'm always like, I don't want to skip and they make it easy for me to feel comfortable through the whole thing. And I mean, at 30 minutes, that's not, I guess if there was like <laughs> a minute that sucked, you'd be like, oh, wow, they one thirtieth of this album sucks, but instead you're just kind of like the whole 30 minutes is worth the time. I really debated on not looking up any of the lyrics and just talking about how they, what they made me feel, but it just, I hate to say the word jazzed. Okay. But <laughs> like, it, you know, uh, fired up. How's that? Like yeah. I had some energy like, okay, yeah. All right. I'm ready to take out the recycling. Let's do it. Okay. Crazy time changes, crazy riffs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's just nothing for a mom in here. Um, <laughs> strangulation, mutilation, cancer of the brain, limb dissection, amputation from a mind deranged, asphyxiation, suffocation, gasping for air. Explain to me the feeling after sitting in the chair. Amazing. Yes. Absolutely amazing. That's I couldn't understand those words when I listened to them, but now I know what they Okay. Like, what does it change for you when now that you know them? I mean, I mean how, does it, how does it affect you? <laughs> I guess the lyrics, um, the words are darker than it sounded. Mm. I think that's one of the awesome things about this album, honestly, is like it is darker than it sounds like it is fun to listen to. But then you read it and you're like, as a kid, I'm, that's what I was saying before is like or reading it for that first time being like, this is a horror movie. Absolutely. Cutting into an eyeball. Come on. Oh, did they publish this with lyrics like in the liner notes? I don't know. That would be it's like kind of cool the other way. But the, the production is so clear that if, if you're the kind of person who's interested in lyrics, you could pick up a lot of this. 100%. Oh, yeah. You could yeah. totally make out, especially like certain words come across and whether you right. know how brutal this is or not, you know, you heard strangulation, like one word clicks in your brain and you're like, well, that's that's death. Yeah, right. dark. <laughs> I mean, it's a song called Necrophobic. OK, I get it. It's going to be it's going to be deathy. Yeah, it's so dead. <laughs> but there's a twist in this one because it turns out uh, he's afraid to die. Yeah. Um, which is a you know just a, uh, a little twist on the on the rain and blood formula. Getting into altar sacrifice lyrically. Uh, now it's about now Satan, it's about Satan, yeah Satan.
Here we are. Three Christian kids talking about Satan. (laughs) I'm telling you, this is why it hit me so hard is I was that Christian kid who wanted to was debating going to make horror movies and going against all of it. But it's the theatrics of it. Like what what's what is the lyric in this one again? It's like enter the realm of Satan. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like that that was so fun when I grew up with this concept of like <laughs> Satan being and at the time that I was getting into this, I was also learning like the myth of the Satanist mm-hmm. and like, oh. you know, starting jobs with people who are like, no, say that's not what a Satanist is like. That's no. it's the not the way people- they showed it in 70s movies. <laughs> right. No. Totally the, the only people who believe in literal Satan are Christians. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Satan. I'm a big fan of like the concept of I'm a big fan of like heavy metal Satan. You know what I mean? Like this, this Satan. I I just love it because I think it's like you're saying, Josh, it's like it's freeing because it's fun. And like, you know, I I, I carry some baggage and I was, you know, I went through like a hardcore Christian phase and raised in the church and all that. And, And then when you get into like. So Satan was always like a big, scary thing for me. And then you get into like heavy metal. And then like this Satan is basically just a fun loving dude. It's just silly as shit. I don't know. Yeah. He is definitely your party ride or die. (laughs) (laughs) Ride or die. Probably more like or die. Yeah. (laughs) Emphasis on die. He's good either way. (laughs) It was like, oh, no, 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 Vince Neil, give me the the wheel. Um, (laughs) Too soon? I don't know. I don't think so. One thing that I think really works in Alter of Sacrifice is the retard at the end, which is the, the slowing down. And again, with the sequencing, the way it goes straight into, in the most wonderful way possible, the next song, which is, of course, Jesus Saves. And they play so well together. It's so awesome to hear these two concepts. It's so theatric, the way the album starts or how the first three songs go. And then they flow into these two that just like perfectly butt heads Mm. while also playing musically together so well. There are a lot of songs in bands that like those would kind of just be one song. Like there's, it's like no reason why Altar of Sacrifice and Jesus Saves couldn't be one song at the length that they are. Jesus Saves is totally like an old white zombie sound to me, like um, something from Devil Music Volume 1. I've noted El Phantasmo and the Chicken Rum Blasterama. It has a lot of like those elements to it, but it kind of busts into like a punk rock song. Mm, You know, it like it's got that like super over the top, 80s fucking metal thing and then it's just like tear your face off fast punk rock stuff like all in one little song and i'm like it's definitely my favorite song on the record same i was just gonna say that i was literally gonna say this is my favorite song in the album and it's weird because you know there are the opener and the closer that are so just pivotal to everything like everyone knows those two if you know slayer you know those two songs but jesus saves is sort of this like underrated gem of crossing genres and it is punk like it goes punk for a beat and i love that about it 
And also there are some really sophisticated arrangements and rhythms that go on in this. There's some, the drummer's throwing time. On top of everything else, I think it's one of, if not the most sophisticated song. If you really listen to it carefully, they do some really cool stuff with the, like the, the interplay with the guitars is just, they don't necessarily do a lot of interplay. Like there's a lot of like doing the same solo with like double track guitars or somebody holding down the rhythm and somebody doing it just bash it solo, which I think there is in this too. But there's also um, some riffs where they're riffing on top of each other that I think is just really effective and makes it, the song is just subtly good on a lot of levels for sure. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah. And it's, it has that fun, but it also is just, I don't, I don't have a real word for it, but it's like chunky. <laughs> it's mm. like, thick at times where you're just yeah, like, totally. I'm, if you kind of zoned out, if you're like listening to this while you're doing the dishes or you're doing something else, you can kind of sort of get lost in the first four tracks where they just all have a very similar yeah. tone. As much as I love them all, they're very similar in what they're doing. And then this one gets so thick. You might, you maybe are like banging your head through the whole thing just a little bit, but you have to stop and be like, no, I'm not picking up the dishes because I actually have to bang my head. Right, now. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. It's, it's definitely dirgy. Yeah. Know? Some of that stuff's dirgy. And then it's just like, yep, you know what? You're going to move now. Barbara, are you, are you a fist bumper? Like, do you have the 80s fist bump going? Like the not so much because now I've got the grandma when, you know, wing going. So there, there's nothing attractive about that anymore. <laughs> um I, I was never like a, an air puncher. Okay. Like I, I was definitely a like hand on the top of my car. Like I was always driving. So bashing my hand on the top of my car. Oh, like, nice. That was definitely me. That's a good move. Um, That's a good move. Josh, are you, uh, you sound like a headbanger to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, as I've become a dad and, and kind of whatever, I'm more the guy who just sort of like slightly is banging my head while I'm doing the dishes, like I yeah. said, and yeah. listening to it. But I'm in in person at a show. I'm a total fist bumper. Like I am the one throwing my fist with the band and trying to get everyone doing that. I did uh, probably to a comical point. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody going to have a bang over this week from nodding possibly, so hard? Possibly. There have been a couple of times where I'm like, wow, it's not as bad as like I went out to see. I, I saw a later metallica tour i saw reload okay whatever judge me all you want you know i hadn't been to a headbanging kind of show you, you're not headbanging at solid gold folks you know <laughs> i go see that i'm not headbanging at solid gold but i'm you know it's more of a dance the, yeah. the stuff that i see these days it, it's probably more of a sway back and forth in your chair because you're not going anywhere right but i definitely have done that to myself in my advanced age <laughs> I, was, I, I guess i was only 30 then but it was i'm not that much older than 30 now but um right. not, not many That's decades right. older than 30 now but it, it i was i was like walking to work the next day going god what did i do uh -huh. and it's like oh this hurts now huh uh-huh you got the spirit <laughs> who knew so this is where uh, side B starts for those of you who want to uh, follow along on your record players or your tapes. Indeed. I actually have this. Flip it. I, by the way, I actually had this on cassette. My first copy of Rain and Blood was on cassette in my like 1993 Honda Death Trap with the cassette player. <laughs> nice. And it felt like that's like the right way to listen to this is in like mm -hmm. a shitty hatchback cruising down the streets on a cassette. This like it kind of works. 
I believe it. I mean, it's weird listening to it now on like really, really nice speakers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, on Spotify. It's just it's not the same clean remastered. There's yeah. something about hearing this nasty that just works. Totally. And then the mix is just amazing. So Rick Rubin just kind of among his accolades, he sort of reinvigorated the heavy metal genre. Hasn't he done enough? <laughs> Go home, Rick. Jesus. <laughs> Give somebody else a chance. All right, dude. Seriously. Go home, like braid your beard. <laughs> <laughs> Extend your yoga sessions. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Calm down, Rick. Um, <laughs> crazy for this one. Tap out of the way. Come on. Where are we then? Are we criminally insane? We sure are. Another just it's just mercilessly fast. Yeah. Like I was saying before, it is kind of tough to talk about this album in the way that you probably talk about most albums because it is just Hmm. it's like one big show. And that's why I think this one works so well is because it is only 30 minutes. You never get bored. You're just kind of living with it for that 30 minutes, even though it all kind of sounds similar. And Mm -hmm. uh, going from Jesus Saves, which does have a big change in it, you start to question like, okay, where's the rest of this going to go? And instead, it just punches you in the face. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this this incredible guitar solos in here, those dual guitar solos, which I, I think this might be the first point in the record where they're trading solos. And the solos are just like, they don't make sense. They're, they don't match any key signature. They're just like high enough in the on the neck where it kind of doesn't matter. And then they're just, just doing sort of like gymnastic, finger gymnastics playing as fast as they're playing. <laughs> you know, I just like reading the lyrics after I've listened to it and gone, what the hell did that say? Because you can only, it moves so fast. I can only hear yeah. two or three words. And I'm like, okay, okay. So yes, yes, yes. This has a great line. Uh, I have only just begun to take your fucking life. Yo, the one of the best f bombs, man. Yeah, totally. Such a great <laughs> f bomb. And I am. The, it, we've gotten to the point where in music, like people just throw out the f bomb, like crazy. right. It's not a big deal. It's not the cussing in music. Isn't it's radio friendly at this point. But back then, it was not. And if you were gonna drop a fuck bomb in mm-hmm. a song, you had to mean it and want it. And that's one of the greats. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think probably second for me behind um, REM drops the F bomb and what's the frequency, Kenneth? And it's like one of the best fucks ever right at the end of the song. They don't have to even say it. They didn't have to do it. But Michael Stipe is just like, I'm going to drop a fuck at the end of the song. <laughs> and, uh, and I always respected that from a pop band of all places to just be like, I'm going to go for it. Um, but this one was like one where I, I remember just being like, like it, it got the parental advisory sticker for like, I mean, I guess the whole album is themed pretty nasty, so it's hard to get away with. But I wasn't allowed to have this at my private high school because of it. And hearing, you know, most of the album, you could play it and they they couldn't really yell at me for it. They could be like, those are this, the theme is nasty, but you, we don't have an argument to take it away. But then the take your fucking life, it's like or lives. Is it life or lives? lives. I don't remember. But oh, it's lives. lives. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just hits like it just works for me. 
The other thing I want to say about Criminally Insane is it's one of the songs in the record where it showcases the live playing. It's like little flubs or mess ups or they're just like, and it's not even that bad. It's just points where the the drummer is like kind of in his own pocket or something. And yeah. now you would correct that, but it does go to show just how good this band really is because you're not doing that in 1986. Totally. I, uh, the whole album has those little moments yeah. of that. And I think that that is something that we forget is important that music is something people are playing and with a lot of production happening now you don't feel it and when an album comes out and i hear it and i'm like oh my god like they kept that in there that that sometimes means more to me than a great song like it doesn't have to be the best song if it feels like i'm listening to people make music together Mm -hmm. even the um the the line we're talking about um to begin i've only just begun to take your fucking lives like he clips if you listen to the the vocals he's like clipping something he's hitting like a red line on some piece of gear and it sounds really bad and nasty and it's like it's, it's like bad it's clipping you you don't want to do that on a record but i think the take is so good the performance is so good i mean rick rubin obviously knows if something's clipping it's just another example of like they just the performance was so real you had to keep it i love that that's the kind yeah. of stuff i love like i I tend to uh, one of the reasons I liked that we picked this album for me is because it I wanted to talk about this sort of thing where Mm -hmm. you feel the musicianship, you feel the artist in it. And it's something that I've struggled with as a filmmaker is Mm. uh, I love flaws in movies. I love when Mm. something isn't quite right, when you can, you know, I don't want a movie that's just bad and it doesn't work. When you do something and you add something to a movie or you have a visual effect that you can feel that it was made by someone Versus, you know, I can go to a Marvel movie, which is fine. I like them, but they're massively gorgeous and effective. Mm-hmm. But then I can watch something like Basket Case and tell it's a guy's hand and a puppet. And it, I feel <laughs> the reality in that. Sorry. <laughs> That's so, that is spot on, though. Yeah. That and this really album is. has those moments What we're still being amazing. I mean, Evil Dead 2, it's a considered yeah. a masterpiece of horror. Everyone loves Evil Dead 2 in the horror community. You can see cameras in the backgrounds at spots. You can see the movie's flawed. It's completely <laughs> flawed. This album, but it's a masterpiece. Because right. Even with those flaws, this album does that same thing. You can hear the clipping. You can feel the guitar got a little off in that moment. A drum was hit harder on one mm. beat than the other versus just, you know, taking that beat and now moving it around in Pro Tools and just making it flawless. I love mm-hmm. the little bit of human in it. The one thing that I can't remember as I was reading this was whether the album was done before they shopped it to the new label. This is their jump to Def Jam. Right. So I don't know. I know that I read that, you know, there was a little bit of after the you know, they saw it. The Def Jam guys was like, well, were we putting this Nazi band out? What no, it wasn't. The, it wasn't the Jeff, Def Jam people because um, Def Jam was wooing them. Virgin people that had a problem with it. And Geffen wouldn't put the. That's what it was. Yeah. They wouldn't distribute yeah, it. Okay. And so then it got distributed by Universal. And even. Um, no, it's the other way around. I think it was Geffen that ended up uh, releasing it, but they wouldn't put the. They wouldn't put their logo on it. Right. There was a, Oh yeah. Def Jam had typically worked with another distributor, um, which maybe was Virgin. I can't recall if um, but they refused to distribute it. And then they found somebody else, but they were all in on Def Jam and, and Rick Rubin were all in on Slayer, which is they like, my understanding is that they courted them pretty aggressively and wanted them to come to their label. Moving on to Reborn.
It blows my mind how, I mean, the same group of guys are writing the songs, right? And some of the songs are these quick lyrics. There's three lines, four lines, four words in each line. That's it. And then you come upon one of these, which there's like six verses. Totally. This song. Yeah, there's like six verses. It's a little bit longer. I mean, it's so fast. It totally it's so fast. <laughs> and they but still have time for like a couple of just raging solos in it too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, priorities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this one's still, I mean, it kicks ass. Oh, yeah. It's another point in the record where um, we're in, like Josh, you were talking about a side A where we're just kind of in like uh, i don't know we're deep into the record at this point you're like you just you bought in and you've turned it over criminal insane this is fantastic and like i don't really know a reborn epidemic and post-mortem like they all they're like they blend together in a, in a really great way the only thing i wrote about epidemic which is our next song is that it's like another just great covid anthem Ah, there you go. I didn't even think that. That's amazing. The we didn't know we needed. We, yeah. we did. I didn't. I don't even think I listened to it during the like, uh, like at least didn't pay attention to it. But that's so true. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, I feel like it was a missed opportunity to engage uh, with the culture. You are totally right, though, about these three, how they do like just play off of each other and you just get lost. You're not I, criminally insane starts so different than Jesus saves that you're mm-hmm. sort of back into some variety, you, not variety, but you're like, yeah. OK, we're getting back to this, like whatever. And then reborn epidemic and postmortem just they're just like a song. They're just totally. like one big whatever, nine minute song, eight minute song. If, they're, if that and- it probably isn't even that, is it? One thing you can say about postmortem is there's a little swing to it. There's a there's some some chug to post postmortem, which I think is really welcomed by at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it breaks up the rhythm a little bit in a way that I, I find really pleasing. I mean, this is just great rhythms all over this record. It is the rhythm. I mean, that, that's what like made me want to pick up a guitar was the rhythm stuff, and I loved playing rhythm and just being like. I don't know. Like I wasn't that person who wanted to pick up a guitar and play a solo. I didn't have any interest in that. I wanted yeah. to just play something kind of chunky and, you know, loud. Mm-hmm. And this album was one that I instantly was like trying to learn the, the rhythm riffs from because it is, and they're hard they're uh. by no means easy rhythm. Mm-hmm. So you're like, almost feel like you're learning a solo, but you're learning these, mm. these amazingly thick 
uh, and and just I don't know, recognizable. Totally. Parts. You just said that this album is responsible for getting you into movie making and making music. I mean, is is this like your favorite record? It's funny because it's I would never call this my favorite record, but I like because I my music varies so much from one side of like pop to mm-hmm. like the most extreme of metal. Like this album somehow found its way to just being this pivotal in between of the two. Mm. I would I would never say that this is my favorite album. Pro- definitely in my top ten, top, maybe maybe not top, maybe top, yeah, probably top ten. Um, but and it's not one that I listen to crazy often because you have to be in the perfect mood for it. But it's one that when I do come back to it, I'm just like, oh, I remember how important this was. But music is so like music in general, just when it happens at a pivotal time in your life, yeah. it leaves such a mark. And this was one of those albums that did that, whether it has worked its way into being one of my favorites or one that I bring up when I'm talking about music or throw on in the background every day. And maybe it's not that, but it's definitely one that I can honestly look back at and be like, oh, I wouldn't be the person I was if I didn't listen to this yeah. that day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Josh, I keep waiting for you to say like, you know, we get, we'll get to raining blood and you're like, oh yeah, this was the, this was our first dance at our wedding. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Raining Blood, the funny thing about it was one of the things that threw me the most for the loop and one of the things that kind of made me realize you can do whatever you want. Like, that's one of the things that I've had to realize about mm. art is like, I could do whatever I want. I can't do whatever I want at my day job or I can't couldn't do whatever I wanted in school, you know, or wherever. You kind of have to do what you're told. But with art, you can do whatever you want. And the, the album, I mean, this is obvious, but it's called Rain in Blood. And the song right. is called Raining Blood. And I was like, how, how smart is that? When right. every other band is putting the name of the song as the album, they're like, no, we're going to mess with everyone and have them screw it up over and over again. Mm-hmm. Just lean into it and, and have fun. And which is like very much, again, to go back to like some of the, uh, some of the, some of the symbolism that the band has adopted, like lean into people's perceptions or false perceptions because they're smart enough to know that um, that doesn't define them and it, but it does help their career. Yeah, definitely. What a song. Uh, what's this? What do you say about raining blood? Uh, just a, an opus, a grind opus. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
This is the, like this is like the stairway to heaven of grind, or this is like you can't always get what you want of speed metal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, it's 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 massive. It's important. The ending is it's just super insane. It's like the opposite of or like it's a like Hey Jude ending, but the version of speed metal where it just gets absolutely insane. And then they do this brilliant thing where just it's just chaos is happening, and then they just stop it and go to rain thunder sounds. Uh, just a killer way to to end a killer song. Yeah, the now I shall rain in blood, like mm. inst- like that's such a payoff. It's tough because if someone is to ask me, like, what metal song kind of symbolizes it's like, well, what's the song, the metal song you want to introduce your friends into metal with? Mm. Like Raining Blood is like my go. It's like an easy go to to be like, this is what it is. This is why I love it, because it is so good, like good in the sense of like it's well crafted. Yes. It is. You can't like I could play it for someone who will forever hate metal. And it's pretty undeniable that there is talent like crazy in that. You've got to hear Tori Amos doing a version of it. Oh, Oh, my God. Oh, God, when Strange Little Girls came out, that was like in. No, this wasn't released in 2001. 2001. Oh, my God. I got something from the band where they were saying, like, I don't think I would have recognized this if someone hadn't told me that this was our song. Yeah, right. Wow. It's just such a. Yeah. Tori, what a genius. But I think that's the thing is, is like there is something about Slayer that connects with people, especially this album that connects with people, even even people who aren't into the kind of aggressive metal that mm-hmm. I'm into. I know a lot of people who over the years have learned to love this album. And when I talk about like, yeah, I'm into metal, they want to listen to Rain in Blood yeah. with me. And that the whole album, not just Rain in Blood, but like the whole thing, they enjoy it. And I think that says a lot about what Slayer did for the metal community just in general or for metal music, yeah, especially this album. Yeah, kind of a, a sea change in metal in a lot of ways. It's like before Rain and Blood and after um, mm. and for the band and I think for heavy metal in general, because um, I think it does propel, you know, of course, like everybody kind of knows the big four. And I think Metallica is the Metallica deserves a lot of credit for what they've done. And they sold a, a, just the metric gobzillion tons of records. But um, but I just like we talked about at the beginning, I just don't think you get Metallica without Slayer. I don't think you get any of the bands that I truly love like the bands that i listen to by myself the the or with very very few select friends who dig the same kind of nasty grind that i listen to mm. you know bands like repulsion and stuff like that who were out at the same time but we i would have never found them it wouldn't have a repulsion album wouldn't have been on the shelf if it hadn't been for slayer right i like that i am glad that i got to sit down and listen to this 
and to look at it this way and to want to listen to it again and to find, you know, as you listen to this record, you hear so many bands that you've listened to in the last 20 years, 25 years, you hear little things that they borrowed, whether Mm. it's a lick or, uh, you know, the way that they're trying to turn their voice to fit all the, you know, the words in with the guitars you know you you hear some things in music since then and like i said very much there's a white zombie sound in here Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot of other for kmfdm to have sampled um you know i think that says something huge and i think that there are a lot of bands that slayer is the metal band that metallica was to metallica started making videos so they they cut their hair. Yeah, there's that too. There's Dave Mustaine is a Christian now. And Dave Mustaine's a shithead. Like he is a shithead. But he's like, also just like I don't know. Let's just like not shit on Dave Mustaine, but like let's, let's shit not. on Dave Mustaine for a second because like I think he just destroyed a lot of goodwill that he earned by just being fucking Dave Mustaine. So um, something I, I want to say because if there's people out there who are gonna check out Slayer for the first time or you know for the first time in a while. There is online, at least on Spotify, there is another song. There's two songs at the end. One's a remix and then there's one that's called Aggressive Perfector. It wasn't on the original release. It's like a fine song, but it like there's no need for it. It's I think if you're gonna listen to this record, you should stop it after raining blood because uh if they in fact found a place to put aggressive perfector in the sequence, maybe, but like Rain in blood needs to end on raining blood. It is the way it is meant to be. So if you're out there, you're listening, just find a way to make sure aggressive perfector does not play when you're listening to rain and blood because it it doesn't belong. They were sequenced right the first time. Definitely. Very well said. (laughs) I'm a podcaster. (laughs) Josh Stifter. Do you have something coming up to a film festival near us? Or anywhere? Um, I don't have I'm we're kind of through our film festival circuit. Um, my movie, The Good Exorcist, is going to be coming out on Troma on Blu-ray and a uh, bunch of other ways pretty soon. Um, you can watch it right now on the L Ray Network streaming on Roku. Okay. They they just released it, I think. Uh, also, the show I was on that I made that movie for Rebel Without a Crew is available on Roku um, on the L Ray Network channel and hopefully a bunch of other streaming places soon. Um, hopefully my movie Greywood's plot will be out soon. I've got a whole bunch of other things in the works, but uh, I'm on the Twitters and the social medias in general. I think it's at Josh Stifter on Twitter at Flush Studios. Flush Studios is my company on Instagram. Um, I'm on Facebook or joshstifter.com is where you can just kind of keep up to date on everything I'm doing. Josh Stifter, thank you so much for coming on. Remember, if you like our podcast, you can help other people like it too. Go to Apple iTunes and give us a five-star thumbs up review and then just say, hey, you guys are funny. <laughs> or in the comments talk about this record. Anything the, you want in the comments. Yeah, just leave us. Uh, a little birdie told us that if you put some text in with your review, then that gets a higher rating, which will help us to climb the charts. The sky's the limit for this podcast, people. But we Absolutely. need your help to do it. I, I sound like I'm about to ask you for a pledge drive, but I'm not. We're not. <laughs> just yes. give us five stars. <laughs> yeah, just give us five stars for now. That's all we want. We we're not. We don't. We don't have a team of people 
hole looking to um, to do anything else. Just give us five stars. Tell us what you think of the podcast. And uh, remember, you can email us. It's tied to the tracks pod at gmail.com. Our website is tttpod.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> the, the, the Twitter is the best. I'm sorry. It, it's at Tide Pod. It's my favorite. It's so exciting. But um, Tide to the Tracks podcast, you can find us about anywhere. Thank you for listening. Please share us with our with your friends or, you know, your enemies. I don't care. Yeah. Just share us. Tell your friends about us. Josh, thanks again for being here. Thank uh, you for having me. Augustus, thanks again for cutting everything up and making it sound like I wasn't going. Oh, my God, that's <laughs> awesome. Heck yeah. Nobody <laughs> knows when I get the hiccups. <laughs> that's true. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh.